Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to a musician, artist, author, or other creative Mississippian working in the arts across the state. I'm your host, Melody Moody-Thordis, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission. On today's show, I'm speaking with Vaughn Gordon, Youth Engagement Manager at the Winter Institute, and his work to use the arts as a tool to help young people in Mississippi process their experiences of the past year in a creative way. Uh, So we'll talk to Vaughn a little later in the show about the details of that program. But first, Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Melody. This is a, a real honor for me. I feel like I'm an honorary creative uh, when I'm here with you. Well, I like to talk to a lot of people who are engaged in the arts in all kinds of different ways. And my personal philosophy is that whether people identify as artists or not, I believe that we are all creatives um, and we just find different ways of doing that. So, um, Vaughn, just for people who may not be familiar with you, uh, can you just give our listeners, you know, the the one-minute version of who Vaughn Gordon is? And, of course, I'll ask you more questions, and we can all get to know you a little bit more. No, thank you. Thank you. I, so I am I am a Delta boy. I'm a proud father and son, a husband. Um, I'm a, a father to three beautiful little girls and a, a Dotson mix named Ginger. Um, my my wonderful wife and I uh, live here in the city of Jackson, and I get to to do a lot of uh, incredible work here. Um, I, as, I'm a Delta boy, though. I was born in Sunflower County in in Moorhead, and uh, I take a lot of pride from being uh, being a, a son of the Delta. Well, uh, tell me more about growing up in in Moorhead, Vaughn. Wow, you know, uh, crop rows. Um, I, I am one of the reasons I take so much pride in being from there uh, is the sense of community that I felt. Um, frankly, I didn't come from a family with a with with much wealth, um, but as you hear many Mississippians say, in many ways we didn't know how uh, economically uh, poor we were, uh, but we were so rich in in culture and love. Um, I had just an amazing uh, family or families around me. Uh, Moorhead been a really small town. Everybody knows everybody for the most part. And from time to time, we'll get someone who had left uh, during one part of the migration or the other and come back and they brought new energy, uh, you know, new ideas to the community. So there was always something happen, happening. Um, I had amazing friends growing up. I, we played every sport we could except hockey, right? Because you just can't, you can't pull that off in the Delta. <laughs> um, but I just, I remember feeling so, um, so loved, so cared for in that space. And uh, every time I get to go back home, uh, I'm reminded of all of those things. I mean, sure, there's you know, places that you can eat lots of fried food and other stuff that's not good for you. 
Um, but there's always a hug right around the corner. There's always an encouraging word. Uh, and frankly, I don't think anyone from the Delta is naive about the poverty that exists there um, or the kind of systemic oppression that, that has existed there uh, since, you know, since, since as far back as you can, you can go. Uh, but it's still a place of really, really rich culture. And I think um, in the Delta, we have kind of the, you know, components of the recipe for how we move our state, uh, how we move our state forward. And so I try to I try to take that spirit with me everywhere I go. Uh, and I just I can't say enough about how proud I am to to be a son of the Delta. Well, um, you know, as you as you grew up and, uh, you know, went to Bailey Magnet School and then you ended up at Ole Miss, um, which I know you have done a lot of work uh, when you were a college student, particularly um, in the, you know, in the same realm of work you're doing now. Um, so tell me about your time at Ole Miss and and what you got a chance to do there and what you got a chance to learn there and how that's how that's informed, um, you know, the work you're doing now. Well, you know, my experience at the university was, um, and it was just, it's just an amazing time in my life. Um, coming out of high school, I had spent several years in high school in Detroit. My mother lived in Detroit and um, I wanted to go to the University of Michigan and I had some, you know, made some friends, connected with some some older folks who kind of served as mentors uh, to me here uh, through a scholarship that I got in Dr. John Turner and um, Sam Lane, some other really, really awesome folks had invited me uh, to what they call the Rebel Roundup. And long story short, Chancellor Robert Kayad um, kind of challenged me during a conversation there where essentially I was saying, listen, I don't know that I want to stay in Mississippi and go to school, certainly, and not go to an HBCU here. Because mm -hmm. my mother had gone to Alcorn. I knew lots of people who had gone to Jackson State, and I grew up in that culture kind of. Um, but he, he challenged me to uh, accept uh, ownership of, of Mississippi and its future and to him, it was probably a conversation he very quickly forgot. I mean, it was probably the spiel he had given every uh, young high school student who he thought had some promise. Uh, but it turned out to be a really uh, pivotal decision for me. I, I got to campus, at, like everybody, you know, misses more than just a, a university. It's, it's hard not to even refer to it as that. Like I have many friends who refuse to call it Ole Miss and they, they will call it the university. Some even call it the flagship. But whatever you call it, uh, it was a place where a lot of the best and brightest of Mississippi's young people found themselves. And we brought all of our gifts and talents, but we also brought the challenges. Uh, we brought racism. We brought uh, homophobia. We brought all of that uh, to the campus. And so it was not long before I got there that I realized um I found purpose in helping to kind of find a a, a place, create a space of, of justice, of, of of equality was what we were thinking of then. Uh, equity was something I think many of us grew to understand more about. Uh, but we put a lot of effort and energy. As a matter of fact, I put too much effort and energy uh, in trying to be a good citizen 
Um, and during that time, I, I got I had the opportunity to connect with some amazing uh, people who became mentors to me. Uh, Dr. Susan Glisson, the former executive director of the Winter Institute, was one of those people. Dr. Dr. William Scott, who was a chemistry professor, um, was a Delta boy as well. And uh, I just I had great respect for him. Uh, people like Dr. Sparky Ridden, who was the uh, assistant dean of students at the time. Um, all these people were, were strong personalities. They, they, they had lots of gifts. Uh, people knew them and loved them. And I took a little bit, I think, from all of them uh, that I carry with me to, the, to, you know, to this day in life. But, but one of the things I think that I, I took from my experience at the university that was uh, most important was how it is everyone's responsibility to build community. And we all come to spaces with um, different challenges. We, we bring traumas. We bring, certainly, as I've said before, we bring our gifts. But when we get into spaces where we're trying to make sure that the future is brighter, we have to show up in community. There's just no, there's no substitute for showing up, uh, for showing up and, and being as authentic as you know how to be, um, challenging people and and systems where they need to be challenged, uh, but also encouraging and building up uh, where you can. Uh, the university was a really good learning lab for a lot of us in in doing that. And I really feel like I've grown into that work. Um, I've grown into the, the possibilities of that work for the 20 plus years since. And, you know, I have to say this, Melody, the most amazing thing I got at the university was to meet my wife. Um, um, I mean, it, she, she has been just, um, I mean, we connected really early and uh, we've gone hard, just like every relationship. We, we have had to weather some storms, uh, but she was, it was just such a blessing to me uh, to have her come into my life at the time that she did. And with her, I found a whole new amazing family and uh, and now we've got these beautiful little girls who show us all the promise and possibility of the world. Well, thanks for walking me through that, Vaughn. I, I know we could talk about some of these experiences for for much longer um, than we have today. But so I'm so I'm jumping around a little bit. But um, as you made your way from um, University of Mississippi and made your way to Jackson, I know that you. Um, I've done some community work as well with um, Operation Shoestring and um, the Refill Cafe. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your work? Um, and I may have missed some um, places where you serve on boards and have been able, um, in addition to the Winter Institute, to contribute um, in different ways that you're passionate about. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about them. So I think that that both of those organizations and, and there are many other in many others uh, in the city and, and in the metro area who I see is absolutely doing doing God's work. Um, Operation Shoestring was created over 50 years ago, and it was created uh, to, to provide opportunity uh, for the young people. They primarily, I mean, they they were all black in the in the Bailey Avenue corridor at that time, uh, to create opportunities for those young people, uh, give them a safe space to be. Um, 
it's unfortunate that um, the, the the people who created Operation Shoestring had to had to respond to uh, really systemic and cultural failures, but they did, and they responded in a way that has given that organization uh, strength and um, it, you know it's had great leaders over the years. Uh, chief among them is is Robert Langford, who's the current executive director. But lots of amazing people. I mean, the the folks who made up the board of Shoestring over the years uh, have been. I mean, it's just a who's who of community-minded, successful people uh, in the city. But most importantly are the children and families that, that that organization serves. They are some of the brightest, uh, most talented young people. Uh, they have, you know, many of them have had to weather some storms. Uh, they come from families that have had to be resilient, who weathered some storms, some folks who've fallen up and it's taken them a little longer sometimes to get up than others, but there are also some folks who've just been strivers, who have, um, who are committed to that community and who refuse to leave um, when, you know, things that, things happen that scare everybody else off, those folks who refuse to stay. And so Shoestring provides a, a community space uh, for them. Um, you know, granularly, it provides academic enrichment and summer programming uh, for young folks. So serving on the board of Operation Shoestring has been just a real blessing to me. Uh, and the Refill Cafe, it's like a continuum. Um, you know, Shoestring will help young people and will support families to get up to a certain point. But sometimes, you know, people run into challenges in life, sometimes through no fault of their own, and they're young at the age where, you know, you should be dreaming really, really big. Uh, but sometimes young people run into challenges and Refill Cafe is one of those places that that merges really good food with uh, the building up of these young people. It is not just about um, job skills training. Um, it's not just about food, but it like like Operation Shoestring is about community. Uh, I will tell you that uh, Jordan Butler and uh, Emily Stansfield and the, the whole team, Jeff Good, who uh, for years was a driving force behind this idea, uh, Miss Betsy and the whole team there have been doing phenomenal work, especially given all the challenges that the pandemic uh, has has kind of <laughs> forced all of us to deal with. They're just doing amazing work there. So I, I encourage your listeners to, to go find out a little bit about Operation Shoestring, about the Refill Cafe, um, I've been really blessed. I've gotten to work with the Cure Sickle Cell Foundation and uh, a lot of other entities here in the city. Um, I, I made a promise to myself when I was graduating high school, and it sounded cute to me at the time. I even I put it in a scholarship acceptance speech because I thought it was cute, uh, but it stuck with me. Uh, and it was just this idea that it, when I when I grew up, I wanted to try to be a catalyst, be an energizer for everything good that was happening in my community. And in many ways, it has uh, kept me from being one of those folks who just kind of, you know, wanted to get rich, figure out a way to get rich and go buy an island. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to do uh, if, I, if I had an island tomorrow uh, or more money than I knew what to do with. 
because you know the the work that I get to do today it, it is who I am you know I, I'm I just I'm really grateful for those organizations and I'm grateful for you uh, giving me an opportunity to talk a little bit about them. <laughs> I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different Mississippians doing creative work across the state. Today, I'm honored to talk to Vaughn Gordon, the Youth Engagement Manager at the Winter Institute. So, Vaughn, can you tell our listeners, um, who may or may not know, all about the Winter Institute? Uh, Let's start with um, who William Winter is. Well, Governor Winter, um, Governor Winter, uh, as we say, went on to to glory, went on to get his reward Um, at the end of of 2020. um, He was, up until that point, Mississippi's elder statesman. Uh, He was one of the most genuine and generous uh, people that you would ever know. And, And I consider it, he called me a friend. And I, he's called me a friend since I was I was 19, and I, I'm just um, I'm humbled by that. Governor Winter had grown up around Grenada. Um, he was a he was a veteran of the military. He did so many things uh, in his life. I mean, he was a you know I think a editor, a writer for the student newspaper. He was um, just so he he held a lot of offices in in government in the state of Mississippi. Uh, lieutenant governor, and eventually he was elected governor in 1980. And uh, true to the person he had he had grown to become, and he he lived he was throughout the time I knew him. He kind of championed he and, and his administration a landmark education reform here in the state of Mississippi. And so many people in policy, um, in political spaces throughout the country, know him for that work. Uh, he he put together a really talented team of other young Mississippians, uh, Dr. Andrew Mullins and um, God, there were so many Ray Mabus and uh, just some other really just great folks, David Cruz, Dr. John Hennigan or Mr. John Hennigan. But he had a really really talented team of people to help him. So he always invested in and believed in young folks. And so uh, he was just, he was an amazing, he was just an amazing leader. He was an amazing thinker. Um, He invested, as I've said, in a lot of really important community initiatives. Uh, In many ways, he was a a steward and a a shepherd, if you will, for for archives and history in Mississippi, uh, because he knew the, the story of who we were. 
uh, was one of our greatest resources uh, as a state, both, you know, in terms of names and dates, but narrative and how uh, we have evolved in ways, how we have changed. He was a man who, you know, was first elected as a segregationist and ran other campaigns that way, but uh, he became uh, the biggest champion for people who were running uh, to make sure that every Mississippian's uh, human potential was maximized. So Governor Winter was just a, a hero to me and a hero to many, 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 many others. And, you know, I pray that, that uh, he's resting easy. Well, tell me about the uh, Winter Institute and some of the programs. We'll talk about the youth engagement program in more detail a little later. Tell me about some of the other programs that the Institute offers. Well, you know, so I'll say that the Winter Institute was created uh, formally on the campus of the University of Mississippi as the Institute for Racial Reconciliation, University of Mississippi Institute for Racial Reconciliation in 1999. Uh, and it had kind of been this effort to put the success of one of the community meetings that uh, happened in Oxford, that that meeting was a part of President Clinton's One, at one America uh, in the 21st Century Initiative. Uh, Governor Winter was one of the leaders of that initiative for President Clinton. And there was a really, uh, there was a phenomenal meeting in Oxford that as the story goes, it was unlike the experiences they had in many other parts of the country. Um, and, and Dr. Susan Glisson, who was deeply involved in, in you know, making that happen, often tells the story that there was a lot of energy created there. Um, and, and, you know, she contends that it could have been even more robust and awesome. So the, the leadership of the university at that time and Governor Winter and some other really amazing folks who I remember being around that table in the beginning, um, Constance Slaughter Harvey and Judge Constance Slaughter Harvey and Reuben, Reuben Anderson and uh, Robert Walker, who's a former mayor of Vicksburg and Judge Charles Pickering. It was just a really amazing room of, of Mississippians. They tried to create an institute that would provide a, a model, um, a, a source of education and insight for Mississippi communities to grow beyond race and difference. And so today our mission uh, is to end all discrimination based on difference. Uh, and we want to see Mississippi grow into a state, as I, I said a minute ago, where where all Mississippians can um, can realize their full potential. And so now, uh, Portia Ballard-Espy is our executive director. Portia is just an amazing community member in her own right. We are a small team of, uh, of eight people, and we, we do our work in three kind of buckets, if you will. There is the community building work, which is, is what the Winter Institute has always done from, from working with the Neshoba, the Philadelphia Coalition in, in Neshoba County, uh, to working with in, in the community of Macomb and West Point. We've worked all over the state with people in those local communities. And at the heart of all of our work is our stories. Uh, you know, your stories are the one thing, uh, probably a few things, but it's one of the things that you're an absolute, absolute expert in, right? And, and one of our axioms is it's hard to hate a person whose stories you know. 
So we have uh, over years uh, developed a model or an approach to building community that is centered around building relationships, trust, trusting honest relationships through the telling of stories. And, and once you've begun to build those relationships and you develop trust, then you move to a space of learning together. And sometimes that's learning about the very communities that we occupy. I don't have to tell anyone who's grown up in Mississippi in the last, you know, 50, 60, 100 years that in many of our communities, there's a railroad track that divides certainly black from white. And then there are parts of town that separates those who, as um, Ray Charles said, them, them that's got <laughs> from, from those that don't. And so we know that there are divisions in our communities, but we want to create spaces where people can get to learn about the very communities that they occupy and thought they knew everything about. But as we know, we typically only know our communities through our lived experience. And we make lots of assumptions about the people on the other side. And so we try to create spaces where those relationships are built and there's learning that happens uh, in those circles. And then hopefully the people in those communities will take the relationships they've built and the, the knowledge they've gained, the shared values that they've unearthed and, and really shared goals. And they will turn that into meaningful work to improve their communities. Um, and for us, it's really critical that they make their communities more equitable because that above all things um, has destroyed and limited the potential of a great many Mississippi communities. So that community building thread is embedded in what we call our community building work. But it's also, you'll find it in the youth engagement work as well as in our policy and civic engagement work. Our policy and civic engagement work is led by uh, Jake McGraw. Uh, Jake and has a really able teammate, Jerry and Herbert and uh, April Grayson leads our community building work. Uh, she has um, working with her one of one of my uh, favorite people and and heroes, Miss Jackie Bird Martin from Macomb, and Jennifer Heath. Who Jennifer and I uh, often take a lot of pride in being kind of Jackson Metro folks. When the water crisis was happening, we we tried to look out for each other and encourage each other uh, through it. Uh, but that that's that's our team, and we we have. Um, um, some we have you know people, friends of the institute as we call them, that when we talk about the Winter Institute, we mean these people as well. Uh, when we were in when we were a, a unit on the university's campus, we had a really really robust student intern program, very very creative young people. Um, Dr. Glisson and, and our leaders throughout our, our staff have always embraced young people in this work as kind of the, the inheritors of, of what we create, but, but also collaborators, co-creators of, of our future. And so we, we had many, many uh, interns who came through the program who, we still, uh, who are still friends of the Institute. Um, in 
our community building work, we see ourselves as members of a community of practice. Um, we do not say that we are experts in a thing, but we do embrace activities and models that have withstood the test of time. Uh, and so uh, we, we are excited to be doing this work now, as excited as, as we've ever been, in part because we, it's really, really important work and it's necessary work. Um, we have typically had one rule, though, Melody, and that is that we only go where we're invited. Uh, we will show up in community rooms or classrooms or boardrooms. <laughs> we will go just about anywhere, uh, but we only go where we're invited. So today you still find people who I, I say I work with the Winter Institute and they say, what is that? Part of it is because we don't, you know, we don't advertise uh, per se. Uh, we believe in going into communities, committing our whole selves, being authentic, bringing honest uh, approaches and engaging with people meaningfully and um, kind of facilitating a process that helps them see, um, you know, kind of bring their hopes and their dreams to fruition. And I, and I believe we're more successful than we are not successful. So that's, well, our, that's our team. Hi, I'm Melody Moody Thordis, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Melody Moody-Thordis, and today I'm speaking with Vaughn Gordon, Youth Engagement Manager at the Winter Institute. So, Vaughn, we talked in the last segment about the Winter Institute and the programs that you guys do. Yeah. Well, I'm, I will tell you, our our youth engagement programming really started... Uh, in, in earnest with, with a thought. Um, at the university, at the time, there were, there were groups, uh, there were a group of, of young people who, some had been interns and some were just kind of young folks on campus who found a home with the Winter Institute. And many of them have been doing organizing on campus and, you know, working for, for equity and fairness and representation and all that for, for different groups on campus and they they realized that there were some challenges that they 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 got to campus with there were some things that they didn't know there was some history that they didn't know there were some skills that they didn't have when it came to uh how to how to build community with people uh how to work with people beyond um you know differences or you know despite differences 
And uh, so they, they just, they felt it was important that the Winter Institute create a program for high school students uh, that would help them build those skills and capacities before they moved into the next stages of their lives. So the way we like to talk about it now in a very Mississippi-centric way is that the youth engagement work of the Winter Institute started as a way of developing Mississippi's next cohort of leaders, business leaders, civic leaders, um, leaders across the professions and in community. And so, you know, the Summer Youth Institute was the kind of um, the first flagship. It was the flagship youth engagement program. And uh, Susan Glisson uh, reached out to Governor William Winter and Ms. Murley Evers at the time and asked them to support the creation of this this institute, uh, this summer program for high school students. And that work, they, of course, they, being the people they were, they jumped, jumped behind it with both feet. And that kind of created the standard for our youth engagement work. Uh, we now work in, we work in schools that invite us. Uh, we support the community buildings work when youth are involved. It is really important to me to encourage people who are running organizations, whether they are, uh, you know, nonprofit organizations or others that impact young people, that they invite those young people in and, and give them more than token representation on their board, um, you know, in their programming and strategic planning thought. So for us, it is about uh, creating spaces for young people to experience diversity and experience inclusion and belonging uh, across difference. It is uh, encouraging others to make space for young people in their work. Um, and then, you know, we we try to encourage the young people who work with us to take action in their local communities. And uh, so one of my, my core functions in this role is to support young people who are trying to take action to improve uh, their communities. So. You know, one of our, uh, in, in one of our other areas with our, our policy and civic engagement work uh, and the work that Jake has been doing, we, you know, we noticed like many other people that for years Mississippi uh, exported a lot of its most talented young people, uh, oftentimes right after college. Um, you know, some people refer to that as the, the brain drain or the out-migration, uh, but Jake has, has created programs. We recently started a, a fellowship that folks can find more out about at RethinkMississippi.org or RethinkMS.org, where we have kind of brought in uh, a small group of, of young millennials and have invested in project ideas that they have. And our hope is that they, those, those projects will, will find fertile soil here in Mississippi, and it can be one of the factors that keeps these amazing young people in Mississippi, or at least if they leave, they will come right back because they're drawn, drawn by it. Uh, Cause we need that. We need that infusion of, of, of young creative energy. So our, our, our youth engagement work is all about building the capacity of young people, uh, creating space for them and, and developing Mississippi's next cohort of leaders. Well, that leads right into um, what I want to talk about, about your new um, 
contest. So the community of the future, the creative showcase, um, I know is an opportunity for, for young people to process their experiences of the past year. So before you tell me about uh, the contest and uh, the way that it um, involves the arts and the opportunities it allows for, for youth, I'm curious to ask you quickly um, what the... Um, what the what the idea was what what made you decide to use the arts as a tool um to allow this process to happen you know a, a long time ago i heard someone say that one of the the purposes of the arts is to help us imagine the world uh differently than our own experiences have shown it to us and so the arts, you know, I think about going into to galleries, going into our own Mississippi Museum of Art and seeing some of the incredible uh, pieces that they have. They all challenge me to think about the world a little differently than, than I already do. So uh, just recognizing that in, in 2020, a little bit before 2020 and, and certainly into 2021, uh, our nation, our state, our, our communities have experienced a lot. Uh, some of it very traumatic, but some of it uh, has been encouraging and um, edifying in a way, affirming and, and validating. But there's been a lot of rough stuff. And because our young people, many of them uh, have experienced, I think, the longest spring break ever. I know that's how my kids refer to it. Mm -hmm. Spring break started in the pandemic, started and they didn't get to go back to school so many of our young people have experienced all of this and they've not had a lot of outlets to express themselves. And that expression is important. Uh, it is important for them in terms of processing, um, giving them an opportunity to, to kind of uh, lay out their thoughts and get loving, caring, protective adults to give them uh insights or or just hear them so this contest really grew out of our desire to create a way for young people to express how they felt going through this but also to project out into the future what they'd like to see um we you know there's a, there's a quote that will show up in many of our spaces uh it's really a it's not so much the quote, but it's what's embedded in it. It's that young people possess a critical eye and a hopeful heart. And so we we recognize that and we want to give them a, a space to show us critically what they have seen, what they are seeing, but also to express for us what grows out of that hopeful heart that most of them have. You know, older folks, we tend to have a more critical eye than we do a hopeful heart. And in the, the youngest of us sometimes will have a really, really hopeful heart. They'll think anything is 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 possible uh, because they've not had those kind of life's experiences that show you that sometimes there are boundaries or sometimes there are healthy limits. So uh, it was really important to us to create an opportunity for our young Mississippians, uh, high school and middle school. And, and I've been told middle schools don't get a lot of opportunities uh, to express themselves in this way. But we've got a series of, of prompts that are on our website, uh, winterinstitute slash future or winterinstitute.org slash future, uh, where they can see the prompts. There are two categories. One is for 
for um, essays and, and poetry. We have a prompt there, something to kind of spark their, their writing. And then we have another category in both high school and middle school for visual and performing arts or performance arts. So I'm really excited to be here with you because I know that your audience are people who who have who are doing a lot of the creating in Mississippi. And so not only can they uh, kind of, you know, nurture some young people who want to want to participate in this contest, they can inspire some. Um, and hopefully it'll be just opportunities for some people to to build relationships with young people that allow them to see just how limitless a lot of the possibilities are for them. So, Vaughn, you talked about um, these prompts. So you've got parts of your contest that are for writing, as you said, for essays and poems. And I just want to I just want to read the prompt real quick so people can get a sense of of the prompt you're asking for. And then I'm going to quickly read the the one for visual and performing. I just want people to understand as we give the call to ask artists, arts organizations and people involved with the arts to encourage young people to apply for this contest. I um, want to give a quick sense of these prompts. So the prompts for um, the essays and poems is um, hardship and resilience, joy and pain are important to the stories of individuals, families, and communities. Where have you seen examples of these in your community and what lessons have you learned through the hard times that will make you a better person? And you're looking for essay and poem submissions up to 500 words. So for the visual and performing arts, the prompts are um, three different bullet points, and it is a brighter, a, a better, brighter future in Mississippi and or our nation. What makes you proud of the Mississippi community that you call home? And a Mississippi where racism no longer exists. So with those prompts in mind, Vaughn, um, tell us, at, feel free to add to anything I just said, of course, um, but tell us about the details, the the deadlines, um, where they can kind of go from here if what we have just said has piqued some interest of our listeners. The first thing I'd like to, to point out um, before giving out those key dates is that we want to challenge the young creatives and artists uh, to think broadly about those about those prompts. I mean, we we ask that, uh, you know, no content beyond PG-13, please. And we recognize that PG-13 may mean a little bit uh, different things now than it did. Certainly when I was uh, when I was in middle school. Um, but we want them to to express you know thoughts and and emotions and 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 pain is okay uh but we don't want to you know we don't embrace messages of of hate so we ask that that they be um be circumspect we they they they, they think about uh the impact of their words um to those who who interact with them and that's a, that's a tough thing, as you as an artist and, and other artists know, that's a difficult thing to quote unquote police. Uh, but we just we have some things in our guidelines that we want them to keep in mind that we hope are constructive and not restrictive. Um, but we want them to think broadly about what they how they create it. Uh, you know, like they're incredible. I see amazing things on on social media now. Uh, that young folks are creating. So we want them to think think broadly about it. Um, 
and get their submissions in. The the deadline uh, right now we we moved the deadline uh, because we know that you know a lot of our schools have have because of the weather uh, shut down as as you know some as long as two weeks or had really significant challenges. So the submission deadline right now is is March twenty sixth. Uh, that is a Friday, and then a, a couple of weeks after after the submissions, we will notify uh, those who've been selected for uh, for prizes as well as honorable mentions. So we're working out now how we can put as many of these on display as possible. But because it's a contest, we we feel like we have to pick you know, as art contest goes, some some first to second. And I want to announce with you today that we're actually going to add a third place uh, for which there will be a, ca a cash prize. Uh, so we'll have first, second, and third place uh, in addition to the five honorable mentions. And for our, for our high school first place, uh, high school and middle school first place uh, winners will, will get a cash prize of $200. Uh, and there's, there's not that big of a fall off for the second, <laughs> the second prizes. Um, so we're really excited about it. I hope that that is a small incentive for, for young folks to, you might be able to get you a new, you know, a new pair of headphones or something in addition to, to expressing and gifting to our state, to our, our website and Facebook visitors and just the people who interact with what you create, you will bless them with your expression and you might even get a nice cash prize in the process. Hi, I'm Melody Moody Thordis and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. To hear all our conversations with creative Mississippians, be sure to subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast on your favorite podcasting app. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. 